Welcome to Spook Pod. This is Courtney. And this is Emily. Well, I guess I'll start, I'll jump right in, but I wanted to do um, a case update because we promised last week that we would do an update in Mika's case. So if you listened last week uh, to our episode that came out on November 11th, we talked about Mika Ort, and that was actually the day that Thomas R., Mika's killer, was getting sentenced here in Leowarden. So yeah, we promised to update you. I actually have one correction for this case. I pronounced, well, I said leak the whole time, which is where Thomas R. is from. It's actually pronounced lake. It's L-E-E-K. And my English brain just always wants to say leak. It's a, ve- it's a vegetable here <laughs> in Canada called the, a leak. Yeah. <laughs> but the double E is an A sound in Dutch. And I knew that, so I don't know why I messed that up. So no one actually corrected me. I corrected myself, but it's pronounced lake. So Thomas R. is from lake, not leak. It's having that multilingual brain happening. You don't always... Yeah, my brain just still does the E noise. Um, I also said I was going to go to court to watch this sentencing But I did not, and it was because of my shower situation that I had going on. I don't know if I've complained about that on this podcast Courtney has been unclean for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I moved into this house in August. It's now November, and my shower leaked the whole time. And Friday, the day that this court sentencing was happening was the last day of construction workers coming to my house and fixing my shower so it was just hard for me to get there and I was super dirty because I hadn't I hadn't showered in a week so I didn't want to stink up the courtroom <laughs> but good news my shower is now fixed I took a shower today and it was it did not leak at all so good news Exciting news. It's been a saga. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, less about my shower woes. Um, So this case. So Thomas R. received 15 years in prison, followed by mandatory psychiatric treatment. What I think that means is that after these 15 years in prison, he won't be released out into the public. He will go to like a, a mandatory psychiatric facility where he has to stay until they deem him improved enough to be able to go out back into society. So I guess depending on the progress that he makes and how long that takes, it will depend how long he's in there for. Like maybe it's one year, maybe it's 10 years. I have no idea. If you remember, the prosecution was pushing for the maximum penalty And the family wanted the maximum penalty as well, which was 20 years in prison, followed by this psychiatric treatment. So he received five years less than the maximum. I think that that was because he was found to have some personality disorders, which made the court rule that he was slightly less accountable for his crimes. So, yeah, that's the sentence. 
case closed 15 years and you know hopefully he can learn from this and will not continue to be destructive to society when he comes back out because he will be coming back out um and hopefully i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> provided he survives those 15 years in jail <laughs> He's coming back out, but that's. I not wonder what the jails here are like. I wonder if they're like more cushy than in North America. I'm not sure. I mean, honestly, I think Canadian prison systems probably even better than what you would find in the states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just generally based on our crime, we have less like you know crazy high level offenders than the states do. Like we don't get a lot of super violent crime there are a few mm-hmm. but it's it's nothing compared to right which is our population size again because we we all occupy like the lower <laughs> eighth of our country and then nothing above that nobody yeah 90 <laughs> nobody lives there 90 <laughs> percent of the canadian population lives within like 50 kilometers of the u.s border or something like that but um yeah well i hope that mika's family is also you know okay with this sentence and that they can now know that the process is done and they can focus on their healing and piecing their lives back together although things you know of course will never be whole for them again so but let's dive into today's case because i think we have a lot to talk about and i want to get through it um i have a pretty big outline that we have to cover today and this case is terrifying. This great case- <laughs> because I haven't read any of this so far. So great. It scares the crap out of me. I don't know why. It just it's it really it scares me a lot. But today's case it brings us all the way over to Panama in 2014 Panama. where <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> where two Dutch travelers met an untimely death. In, yeah, a very scary, unfun, weird, horrific, makes me lose sleep at night way. Because this could be us. Let's be It real. literally could be. And as I we get more into talking together. about it, <laughs> as I get more into talking about it, Emily, you're going to be like, oh my God, this could have been us. <laughs> I mean, we're, really. We're also very of... not athletically inclined. So, But the amount of unsafe situations we have found ourselves in traveling and we're both just like, boop. And then we get out of it, and I'm like, that's... Yeah, how did that happen? (laughs) You can listen to our other pod, Mostly Awkward Pod, and our travel horror stories if you want to know more about our travelings. But this story involves the travelings of Chris Kramers and Lizanna Frohn. So Chris and Lizanna, they went on a hiking trip and never returned. This case really straight up feels like it's out of a horror movie like you cannot make this shit up that we're going to talk about so this case is also still a mystery we don't know what happened to these girls so as a spoiler you're not going to get a full answer courtney i hate these cases i know gotta give me ones with (laughs) answers man i know well we're going to talk about some theories you can let me know what you think you stress me out The unsolved ones, really, (laughs) they are the more stressful ones, for sure. I hate it. And when it comes to stories like this, where we don't know the answer, I always tend to sway toward, 
like the easiest explainable answer like that's probably what it is you know the easiest answer is probably the answer it's like Occam's razor right so when I first heard that these two girls went to Panama and they went off hiking my first thought before anything else was okay they got hurt while hiking and then the elements got them like this doesn't have to be some big conspiracy mystery but then I read the details of this case and then I couldn't sleep so (laughs) oh come on man (laughs) okay so yeah as I tell this story it probably will sound like a hiking disaster at first and maybe we will come to the conclusion that this was just a really unfortunate hiking disaster but we will probably have some questions at the end that don't really line up so well let's dive in so this is the mysterious death of Lizanna and Chris in 2014. So Chris Kramers and Lizanna Frone, they both grew up in Amersfoort. That's a city here in the Netherlands. It's about 45 minutes southeast of Amsterdam. They met at work. They both worked in a little restaurant called In Den Kleine Hap. And from there, they became really great friends. So they moved into a student apartment together. And they were roommates while they were both going to university and studying. So it's us. It's us. This is fine. It's us. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> this is us in another life. <laughs> yep. In September of 2013, Lizanna graduated with a degree in applied sciences. And Chris was studying for a degree in cultural social education. Chris was described as open, creative, responsible, while Lizanna was aspiring, optimistic, intelligent, and a very passionate volleyball player. And they both dreamed of travel and doing something bigger for the world. So as a little graduation present for Lizanna, they both saved up for six months and then they were going to go and fulfill their travel dreams and go on an adventure together. So on March 14th, 2014, they hopped on a plane at Amsterdam's Schiphol Airport for a six-week trip to Central America. God, it's us. Stop this. (laughs) Their goal was to explore a new place, to learn Spanish, and to volunteer in a local community. The first two weeks of their trip was the vacation part, so they went to Costa Rica first. And then from there, they made their way down to Bocas del Toro in Panama. They explored, they hiked, they chilled on the beach, they ate the local food, they had some local drinks. And after this first two weeks of fun, they then moved to Boqueta. Is that, I hope that that's how I say that. Boqueta? Bogota? Isn't it Bogota? I... Bogota, Bogota is the capital of Colombia. Okay, so then you're saying it Boqueta. Boqueta. Yeah. Well, it's a small little town in Panama. They moved there on March 29th, and here they were going to be living with a local family and volunteering at a school for the last four weeks of their trip. But when they arrived here, they expected that their volunteer work would begin right away, but they actually found out that it was going to be another week until they could start volunteering. So that meant that they had some time on their hands and they could explore this area of Boqueta. So Boqueta is on the west side of Panama. It's a small town. It's about 60 kilometers from the border of Costa Rica. 
And it's surrounded by jungle, and it has the Caldera River running through it. So with this newfound time on their hands, they decided to go for a hike. And this fateful hike would take place on the El Pianista Trail. This trail is a 7.9 kilometer trail, but you go out and back. So you climb up to like a really nice peak. You see a nice view, and then you come back down the exact way that you came up. So it's considered to be a moderately challenging route because it's uphill, and it takes about three and a half hours to complete. So up and back is three and a half hours. It's also a super popular route, so you'll likely see other people during your hike, and it's really impossible to get lost on because it's just, you just follow one trail up and the exact same trail down. So the All Trails information online said this about the hike. I love All Trails. I use it. God, you this do? is us. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of trails in my area because I'm like surrounded by provincial parks and the lake, so we have like a lot of trails and so we have the all trails so that i so that i know which ones i can safely handle with my dog (laughs) and which ones i do not want to go on i'm not much (laughs) of a hiker i feel like i aspire to be a hiker but i'm not much of a hiker so i think i actually um downloaded all trails when gabby petito went missing that's when I first oh, started using interesting. it because people, or maybe it was just before that, but people were saying that like you could see her location on all trails. Mm. And so I remember opening, I might've just opened it. I might've already had it, but I opened all trails to see if I could like see that information as well. But yeah, I definitely had it around that time. Um, but yeah, interesting. it's literally, it's literally on my phone right now. This little green guy. Oh, cool. All trails. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Well, I this is what it says. <laughs> this is what it says about this hike. This natural route is ideal for anyone who wants to immerse themselves in a truly magical jungle world. Only about four kilometers from Boqueta, this trail leads through mystical cloud forests. It's a very unique experience. The hike starts very close to the Il Pianista restaurant. After about 15 minutes, you're surrounded by rainforest, including a unique soundscape of rippling water, chirping animals, and singing birds. In addition to the varied animal and plant world, this hike also enchants with some picturesque gorges and great vantage points. Sturdy or waterproof shoes are recommended as the trail is often very muddy. On the way there, you gain around 600 meters in altitude over a distance of 4 kilometers, which makes the way back a pleasant walk downhill. And you can go to the All Trails website. Uh, it's listed in my references too for this specific trail. A lot of people have commented about their experience on this hike. It seems like it's a pretty usual hike in this type of area. Beautiful, a little, a little bit challenging. A lot of people do it, but it's not anything extreme. But if you go beyond the peak, so if you climb up and you keep going and you don't turn around you end up in a really rugged terrain. So past the peak, it's really steep and dangerous, especially during the wet season from April to October. And even the locals have to be super careful here. So there's really steep river gorges and you have to cross those cable bridges. You know, I like, hate those. Yeah, like not real uh. bridges, like those scary things that you hold on, like just cables, basically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes they like literally just make like the V shape and you literally just like have to walk along. It's yeah, I hate them. Yeah. I hate them. But that's beyond the trail. So it's not something that the girls should have went to at all. Should have. Should have. So on the morning of April 1st, 2014, Lizanna and Chris had breakfast with two male Dutch tourists that they had met in the area. Afterwards, a taxi driver drove them to the start of the trail. It was good weather and about 11 a.m. when they arrived. They were wearing tank tops and shorts, and they had a little light backpack that had their passports in it, a water bottle, a camera, around $80, and their cell phones, an iPhone and a Samsung. Lizanna's inhaler also came in the backpack because she had asthma, and some sources said that they also brought the local family's dog. So the people that they were staying with, they brought the dog with them on this hike. I'm going to mention that, although that wasn't confirmed. It comes back again later in the story, so I'm going to mention it. So if they arrived around 11 a.m. and we give them like a generous four hours to do this hike of eight kilometers, they should have finished around 3 p.m. So they go up, they come back down, it'll be around 3 p.m., and the sun sets in the jungle around 6 p.m. here. So the girls went on their hike, and they were snapping pictures the entire way, and we have camera evidence of this hike with timestamps. So later on in the story, I'll mention their backpack was found, their camera was found. Uh, So we have the images that they took throughout this hike. According to this camera evidence, they reached the peak around 1 p.m. So it was here where they should have turned around and went back down, which would have made them done by around 3 p.m., which is right on time, right? But it seems for some reason they decided to carry on beyond the peak. And I read online there's now signs that tell people to turn around, but I'm not sure if those signs were there in 2014. So I was kind of thinking, like, maybe they didn't realize this is where they needed to turn around. Or um, computer evidence also showed that they had researched this hike before they went. And that there was a little waterfall a little bit deeper in. So maybe they thought they still had time to reach this waterfall before heading back. But I'm not sure. But something made them continue a little bit further than they should have. And this was not a smart idea. But we do know that it is a fact that they did carry on because there is camera evidence of them continuing on the path. They're heading downward past the peak and not in the direction that they were supposed to go. At 4.39 p.m. on this same day, April 1st, Chris called 112 on her iPhone. So this is the Dutch emergency phone number in North America. It's 911. But this call didn't go through due to poor service. And then immediately after she tried calling 112, she called 911. And this call also did not go through. Again, we have this information because her phone was found. So this is, to me, it seems like a weird time to call for emergency services. I'm going to talk about it a bit more later. But they should have been done the hike around 3 p.m., right? But now it's 4.30 And they are clearly nowhere near done. They're probably deep in the jungle somewhere and they're calling for help. So if there was some emergency, like if they got hurt or they fell or something, 
I feel like it just would have happened earlier, maybe. Like, it, this means that they were just prancing around deep in the jungle for five hours before they had an emergency. Like, why hadn't they turned around by that point, you know? Like, even if they had just went an hour deeper past the peak, that would have been 2 p.m. And then they still had two hours to turn around and come back from there. But it's, it's just a weird time. So at 4.39, they begin calling for help. After these first calls didn't go through, they turned their phones off. Which does make sense, though. Like, it, So if you've had, say even it's not a huge emergency, but you've twisted an ankle and you know you're in the jungle and you know you only have so much battery life on your phone and you know that where you just called from has poor signal, the smartest move for me is, okay, turn off my phone. Turn it off, exactly. Till I can get back somewhere that has, will limp back to where we came from and see if we have better service. Exactly, yep. Later that evening, the local family that the girls were staying with, they became alarmed because the girls hadn't returned yet, but their dog came back. So they were kind of wondering, like, how did their dog find its way back? But the girls didn't come back. It was weird. 14 hours later, so in the early morning of April 2nd, their phones turned on again, and they tried calling 112 and 911 again. So at this point, we have to assume... They've been in the jungle all night. They had their phone turned off. Maybe they were moving around, trying to get to a place with better service. And now they've turned their phones on again to try again. And both phones were used to make these calls. So it wasn't just one of them doing it. It was both of them. And they actually made a connection at 6.58 a.m. Luzana's Samsung connected, but just for one to two seconds on the 112 number. And then the call quickly failed. 36 seconds later, the phones were shut off again. And they never managed to get a connection again, despite trying several times. Now, they were reported missing on April 3rd by the local family that they were staying with. I'm not sure why it took two days, but okay. So after they were declared missing, authorities put dog teams on the ground and they had helicopters and they were searching the area, but the searches found nothing. Even the local residents were helping, they found nothing. On April 6th, five days after their hike began, Lizana's Samsung mobile stopped working completely. So presumably this is when the battery went dead. At this time, too, someone tried to access Chris's iPhone, but the pin was either incorrectly entered or not entered at all. So, and it said it was 77 attempts were made to access this phone between April 7th and April 10th. But either in all of those, like the, the pin was not put in correctly or it was not put in at all. An iPhone can't distinguish between that. Um, but it's just weird that it was 77 times and no, like, why was the phone going on 77 times, but it was never accessed, you know? The other thing that, like, kind of strikes me as weird about that is, like, so if you and I were on a hike together and something shitty happened and we were in trouble, I'd be giving you my PIN number, like, exactly. immediately. Exactly, yeah. Right? So... So say I say that later on in my notes. I'm like, why didn't... Yeah, like, so say, like even if both of them are, are gone at this point, maybe someone else has the phone and is like just trying to get money out of an iPhone at this point and be like, well, if I can access it, I can you know clear the pin code and sell this phone from mm -hmm. these dead girls. <laughs> <laughs> so like 
you like honestly within the first two hours of us being like lost you'd have my pin number mm-hmm. and i'd be like if one of our phone dies let's make sure we yeah have, like, that's the plan exactly. that's the plan you make with your friend right yeah you would be in like a your crisis shit is situation. now my shit yeah like yeah. we are <laughs> exactly i can change my pin later i'm not getting sex right now let's do... <laughs> nobody's dirty texting me i swear let's just change pin codes <laughs> but i was also thinking um I can't remember at this point in time, but like you can call nine one one without a pin code, right? Yeah, could you do that? I don't remember. I don't remember if that was the case in twenty fourteen. But again, even if you even if you could, if no one's calling nine one one and just trying to access the phone, that's again super sus. Yeah, weird, right? Why? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like seventy seven times this phone was accessed, but nothing happened on it. So weird. Uh, So like I was kind of thinking like. Yeah, like maybe had Chris passed away by this time and Luzanna was trying to access her phone, but then, yeah, didn't know the pin. And that comes back to exactly what you said. It's just like, bad planning. It's just bad planning. You would have yeah. known my pin within the first three seconds. Like, hey, dude, here we go. It's not that yeah. hard. You'll remember it. I swear. So it's just weird. It's just weird. So it was on this same day, April 6th, that Chris and Luzanna's parents and also some Dutch detectives flew to Boqueta and they started a larger search with uh, like specialized rescue teams and sniffer dogs. And this happened for a further 10 days. So they were in there searching, but still nothing was found. No sign of these two girls, none of their belongings. The parents also offered a $30,000 reward at this point. Chris's iPhone had been off until April 11th when it was then activated again at 10.51 a.m. and it stayed on for one hour and five minutes. So yeah, if we're going by this and we think that it is Chris that has her phone, that means on April 11th, at least one of the girls is still alive, right? But this was the last time that the phone was used, that any of their phones were used. So that is basically all we know about their disappearance. But then, of course, a little bit later on, their belongings were found, which provided us with some of the information I already gave and a bit more. So let's dive into it. So 10 weeks after the girls went missing in June of 2014, their backpack was discovered. It was found by a local woman in a rice paddy right near the river. Uh, And it was found 17 kilometers away from Boqueta and eight kilometers away from the peak of the El Pianista Trail. It was estimated that this would have been about an eight-hour walk from the girl's last known location. And this village, like, it's really remote and it is very difficult to reach on foot. Police actually, they got this backpack using a helicopter because it was just a difficult place to reach. And yet an eight hour walk from the girl's last known location. So it was assumed that because it was so far away that it had drifted to where it was found, but the weird, like along the river, but the weird thing was the backpacks contents were completely dry, completely undamaged, did not look, you know, like they had just spent 10 weeks sitting in the jungle and in a river. Like the phone and the camera were in perfect working order. Also, both of the girls' bras were in the backpack, which is a little weird. And 
furthermore, the lady who found the backpack, she said that the backpack was not in that location the day before. And this was like the rainy season. So there's there's heavy rain happening in this area. And it would be expected that everything would just be soaked through. And especially if it's floating down the river. But this lady said like it was completely dry. All the contents were perfectly okay. And it was sitting in a place that it wasn't the day before. Luzana's asthma inhaler was not among the belongings that were recovered. And investigators determined that all of these belongings, they had 34 different fingerprints on them with 13 different ones on the bag. And some DNA was also detected on the backpack, but none led to any serious leads for the police. Around this same time, Chris's jean shorts were discovered on a narrow piece of land between two, like, rivers. So there's a bit of conflicting statements about how these shorts were found. Some people say that they were found, like, neatly folded and sitting on a rock above the water, whereas other people say they were just floating in the water. But, so with everything that I've said so far, it does seem like it's just a hiking accident, right? Like maybe they fell or they got injured and they were on this trail and they felt or maybe they fell in the river or something and they were just lost to the elements. Like we don't really see anything here that kind of suspects foul play. Don't we though? Don't we though? <laughs> because like I'm I've been pondering this for a moment since you mentioned all of the sets of fingerprints. Cause I was like at first I was like, that's not really that strange. Mm-hmm. Because if I think about, like, even going to university, and I'm like, if we cracked open my backpack and fingerprinted everything in here right now, how many of my friends have touched things? How many of my, like, other students in my courses have I, like, handed a pencil to or a pen to or, like, whatever? So I'm like, it's not really that strange to be on vacation and have a bunch of different fingerprints on your stuff, especially if you're meeting people and you're showing them pictures or, like, whatever, But then to have, like, 34 different sets of prints on the outside of your backpack, I'm just like, how many people would I actually be handling my stuff if I'm in an unknown place? eh, You know? Like, that's just, that's a lot of fingerprints. And then on top of that, I have never met a woman who, whilst hiking through the sweaty jungle, (laughs) was like, let's just rip off our bra because I don't need the support right now. And there isn't a sweat situation happening. Yeah. Like... No, that's the time when I'm like, strap them down. (laughs) They need to be held in place. So that's strange, too. Yeah. Well, you have to wonder, first of all, I don't know how long fingerprints last. Like, what if Right, like, before they deteriorate. So, like, what is the time frame we're talking about here? Yeah. That that could have been... Yeah, and I think some people were speculating that they took their bras off because they went for a swim. Yeah, I don't okay, know. Okay, so then Weird. you go for a swim and someone steals your bag. Like, is that what's happened here? And then your bag is just gone and they didn't take the expensive phone and camera out of it. Right? I, like, it's just... <laughs> yeah, we got some weird things going on. And it's going to get even weirder because... I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> so, yeah, now I'll talk a little bit now about, like, the really fucking weird things that were found that make this case just feel so creepy and so bizarre. I've mentioned the pictures that were taken by the girls during this hike. This was obviously a key piece of evidence when they discovered the backpack. The camera had over 100 images on their digital memory card from the very start of their trip up until their hike. 
and the images had a timestamp, so you could see like what date and time all the images were taken, which was super helpful for like laying out where they were on their hike and when. Uh, but it didn't have, sorry, it didn't have a GPS location, so they could not get the location from the images. That kind of had to be guessed based on the surroundings, but they did have a timestamp. So the first pictures taken on April 1st were the standard tourist shots that you would expect. Both of the women were laughing and smiling and having like a really bright, sunny day, taking some selfies on this trail. Most of the pictures were taken by Lizanna, with Chris walking ahead of her on the trail. And then we see the girls apparently following this indigenous trail. So this would have been the picture of them continuing past the peak, continuing past where they were supposed to go. This is a picture I mentioned before, but what I didn't mention was that Chris had a very anxious look on her face in this picture. So these pictures went all the way up to image number 508 on the camera's memory card, which was the last photo taken by Lizanna and Chris. The next image, number 509, is missing. We know that there was a number 509, and it wasn't just simply deleted. So like Dutch specialists, they took a look at this phone, and if you just simply delete a picture... It's really easy for the specialists to get it back. It's like there's still like a ghost of it that exists on the camera. But the whole file had been deleted and they couldn't get it back. So we have no idea what this next image 509 is. It also showed that it was taken not too long after the last image taken by Lizanna and Chris. Dutch investigators said that they were almost certain that someone deliberately deleted 509 for unknown reasons, probably with the help of a computer. And also, like, the girls did not delete a single photo of their entire trip beforehand. So it's not like these girls were deleting images all willy-nilly or images that they didn't like. Like, they were not deleting images. But here's the even weirder thing. There were other pictures taken on the camera after that image 509. So we have image 508. That's the last known photo taken by the girls. Image 509 is missing. And then the photos taken after that will make you shit your pants because they are literally like straight out of the fucking Blair Witch Project. Perfect. Perfect. I love where this is going. (laughs) She said not seriously at all. So there were 90 photos taken. All of them were taken on April 8th between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. So this is seven days after the girls went on their hike. This is a week after they've been missing. Like, why are there now suddenly 90 images being taken between a three-hour span? A lot of these images are darkness with, like, rain falling. Some of them were taken a few seconds apart, but others were taken like 15 minutes later. And several shots appear to have been taken deliberately because they were not blurry. Some of the shots are oriented upwards, while others show ravines and gorges, and one of them even shows one of those cable bridges. And then there's one image of Chris's head. It's like a single close-up shot And you can basically just see her hair in it. That's it. 
You can search these images online. They're online. And they just terrify me. It's like you can just see like it's just like an eerie jungle picture. And there's a whole bunch of them. And then a random one of Chris's head. Like it's just it's really weird. And why were they taken? Some internet sleuths, they speculated that the women were trying to use the phone camera, like the flash, as a source of light in the pitch black, uh, or maybe to signal to rescuers, like, hey, I'm over here, or to scare away wild animals or something like that. But if you look at the shots, like, they're just, they're, a lot of them are taken, like, between foliage, like, not out in the open, so if you wanted to see where you were going or if you wanted to alert something, like, why are you doing it, like, with a bunch of leaves, you know? And what's with the head picture? And why is it only, like, one week after? Like, if they were needing light, why did they just need light a week later? On one night. During On a one very night. specific time. Yeah. Yeah. So those pictures are really creepy. I hate them. And we don't know the location where these pictures were taken at all somewhere out in the jungle but where specifically they have been taken it was never found so then in june of 2014 two months after the girls went missing their remains were found and these also give us some questions so following the discovery of the backpack a local guide with the help of some natives they found the bone remains those jean shorts that i mentioned and two different shoes along the river so it was like kind of similar to the same place as the backpack was found which is about um like an eight hour walk from the peak of the trail the jean shorts though they were found a 14 hour walking distance from the backpack (laughs) so the jean shorts are like way super far away the bone remains that were found so i'm gonna go through them there were not many that were found it was just a couple bones but from chris we have half of a pelvic bone Um, part of it was broken that was identified as chris's and we found one of her right rib bones as well as a femur upper leg bone and chris's bones were bleached and clean like there was no like not not saying that someone did that just saying like they were bleached by the sun and they were clean meaning there was no like skin or anything left on the bones they were completely just bones when it came to lizanna Her left foot was found intact inside her boot, and it showed many fractures of the small bones in the foot. The laces were still tightly laced on this boot, and forensic analysis found that the cut of the bone on the foot was very clean, so there was no hacking or gunshot or teeth or claw marks or anything. It was very clean cut. Uh, This next part is a little gross, so sorry. But two months after the first bones were found, they found a rolled up ball of skin from Lizana's shin. And this was a little bit confusing to the pathologist because it was still in an early stage of decomposition. It even had maggots still in it. And also the bone marrow from the bones found from Lizana, they were also still undecomposed. The bone marrow was not dry, like it was still intact in her bones the forensic pathologist thought that the piece of skin may have been manipulated by somebody so because of the way that the bones were found like 
we found skin from Lizena and bones that were not fully decomposed. So it kind of tells us that maybe the girls died at different times, right? And that's also consistent when we just talked about with the phone records, like if Lizena was trying to use Chris's phone but didn't know the password. So let's jump into the theories. So we don't have a cause of death from these girls. We don't know how they died. A full autopsy report has never been released, but also like they just found a couple scattered bones. That's all they found. The Panama authorities, they came into a bit of heat from this. A lot of people thought that they did not handle this correctly in terms of their investigation, but they came to the conclusion that this was an accident. So their theory is that the girls continued on where they weren't supposed to. They went on one of those cable bridges, they fell, and they got washed away by the raging river, and then they were found way downstream from the river. The only thing that's confusing, like, why did their phones and cameras work perfectly? Why was their backpack just found, you know, on the side of the river in perfect working order 10 weeks later? The Dutch police also came to the conclusion that this was probably an accident, but they said, like, foul play cannot be ruled out. And there are a lot of Panama police and Dutch private investigators that strongly believe that foul play could happen because of some of the weird evidence in this case. And right at the beginning, actually, this case was first officially declared a homicide or a crime against personal integrity by Panama's attorney general. And then later, in October 2014, they described it as a case of abduction. So I don't really know why it was listed as that at the beginning. But then later, when they failed to come to a definitive conclusion, the case was just closed and considered an accident. They thought that it was a simple case of being lost and that Chris fell first and Lizanna tended to her and then photographed her remains in the dark and continued until she also fell, broke her ankle and foot, perhaps fell into the river and died from exhaustion or hunger and the elements. There's one Dutch pathologist, Dr. Frank van der Groot. He was very skeptical of this explanation. He said, first of all, there's no way to get lost. It is just a simple up and down trail. Nobody else has gotten lost on it. Why were these girls just so lost? And if they were lost, why did they continue in the wrong direction? Because they were found way past where they were supposed to be. And when it comes to them falling off a cable bridge, the pathologist said, that doesn't make sense. They would never go on that. Like, I would never go on that. If you and I were walking a trail and we were like, let's go beyond the trail limits, like for whatever reason, and we did, and then we like, you know, made it to some sketchy looking bridge, I wouldn't be like, yeah, man, let's do it. Do you know what little coward Emily would do? She would go, mm-mm. <laughs> I thank you. No matter how physically fit I am, I am not ready for a cable bridge with you. Let's go home. <laughs> yeah, like that in the middle of the jungle, that's scary. So yeah, it it does appear at first sight like maybe they died because of the conditions of the jungle. But was there something more sinister at play? Like why was their bag found on the side of the river without water damage? Did someone come across them and do something with them. So what do we think? Was this an accident or something more? 
I have a couple things more to talk about, like some things that I think are really weird. So first of all, it's weird that they went off trail to begin with, right? Like the girls, they they actually had warned others in the Bocas del Toro, like not to venture out alone without a guide. They were known to be really cautious and meticulous planners. So why did they themselves decide to just go off alone on a wilderness hike? right? This was an easy hike that a lot of people do. Or not easy, but like, you know, like a normal hike that a lot of people do up and down. Like, why did this become something so tragic? Maybe like they weren't alone after all. Maybe they were forced like to continue on this path. Like, remember, we have one photo of them past this point, And Chris has a look on her face that's filled with anxiety, the one picture that we have past the peak. If we go with the theory that this was a fall or an accident, that means that both girls survived at the beginning, right? Because both phones were used. But then if we say from there that maybe Chris passed away first, but Lizanna was still alive, why isn't there more evidence of that with what we have? Like, why didn't she take a picture or a video, like, explaining what happened or trying to send a message to her family or something like that you know like she had a phone and she had a camera like why didn't she even try to write any draft text messages even if they didn't send why wasn't she trying to communicate with people like if I was alone in the jungle for days and my phone was not getting any signal through like I would totally try to text my family and just say hey like I may not survive this, but I love you guys, you know, like that type of thing. Like we just, all we have on the phones and the camera in total for apparently 10 days is just those random scary ass pictures that were taken that one random night and some 911 calls. That's all we have. Why, why isn't there more? And I know like it makes sense to keep your phone turned off and to save battery and stuff like that. But if you get to a point where, you know, you're like, this isn't working, why why not yeah, leave like a goodbye message or something? I don't know. It's just really weird. And so I just think like maybe they weren't on their own during this. Like maybe someone was watching them and not letting them access their stuff and then they were able to sneak it a couple times to try and call for help or or maybe I don't know maybe somebody else had this and was taking those images I don't I don't know it's just weird yeah if at least Lizanna was still alive after 11 days because it was 11 days that her phone was accessed for the last time why did no one find them like there were huge searches happening in this area I just don't understand how they couldn't have been found Like, maybe they were brought somewhere, like to somebody's house or something. And I also think that where they were found makes no sense. If they were lost and they realized that they were lost, they continued in the wrong direction, like deeper into the jungle and crossed two big rivers. And like, why would you cross two rivers when you know you don't need to cross a river to go home? You know, like, why are you going in the wrong direction so much? Also, if you're anything like me and Courtney in the jungle, you don't cross rivers to begin with because you're pretty sure they're full of alligators. So unless (laughs) someone is forcing you, you ain't crossing that river. Right. 
And it's also weird how their bodies were found in similar spots. Like if you think that Chris passed away first and then Lizanna continued, why were they found in the same spot? And it's also weird how far they, like, they were found so far from where their first emergency call was placed. Like, they, their bodies were found about an eight-hour walk in the remote, rugged jungle from the peak. But they called 911 at 4.30, so only three hours after being at the peak. So how, if they're having an emergency three hours away from the peak, how were they then found eight hours away from the peak? You know what I mean? And why would they keep walking in the wrong direction? So yeah, it's just really weird. This case creeps me out. I just feel like there's something more to it than just two girls getting lost on a pretty basic hike and being found in such weird circumstances. What do you think, Emily? I have a theory, and it's kind of a crazy theory, and I don't like it. But I'm going <laughs> to say it, it anyways. <laughs> so here's the thing. Who knows why they left the trail? Because stuff happens. I get it. And so let's say they left the trail of their own fruit. But even that, even that sits weird with me because of that one picture that's just not there. So does that picture have someone's face in it? And the fact that then it was wiped with the help of a computer. So that camera has been to a computer before authorities found it. So, okay. So let's say this ruins my theory a little bit. We're going to go back. Uh. <laughs> it's okay. hard, right? Like, things just don't make sense. I don't think they, they left the trail like of their own choice. Like I don't think two girls who are unfamiliar with the area in general walking a trail like that are going to go past that peak uh, by choice. So I, I never okay. would. Never. And if you're saying like that trail, I mean, well accessed by other people at the same time and you probably walk past them and like whatever, there are periods where you're probably very alone on the trail with the person you're walking with. So let's say they come across someone or multiple someones because it's the jungle. And I just need to emphasize how scary the jungle is because when even when we were in Costa Rica, let alone the animals that roam in the jungle, these are like undeveloped areas of land. There could be people living in there that you know nothing about. People who have lived off grid for their entire life who are not even known by the community. Do you know in Costa Rica how many people I'm surprised like survive because they could just basically not exist by the laws of our society like if you don't have a passport like they're not running through the jungles taking censuses they don't care <laughs> so if there's a group of people living in a jungle and surviving and not needing to go into towns and places like that to survive that's terrifying they, those people could have come onto that trail and for whatever reason taken these two girls off of it mm -hmm. it's weird to me that there are fingerprints all over this bag. It's weird to me that there is a camera with a bunch of random pictures on it. Like maybe someone didn't know how to use a camera and had turned it on to see what it was all about and is unfamiliar with this technology. Maybe someone doesn't know how to use an iPhone and is just turning it on and not really understanding what the pin password thing is and is doing it 77 times because they're playing with a new toy that they found. Like... Maybe these are people who are really unfamiliar with society. The only thing that doesn't fit in with my theory of them being found by, like, 
random people in the jungle who don't live by societal rules and maybe killed them is the fact that this one picture was wiped using a computer. Right. So that, like, maybe... But then again, even so, maybe one person in this group of people living in the jungle has a connection to someone who has a computer and knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. Or unless the camera sure. just, like, glitched somehow. I don't know. It's just really weird that there's but I this think, one... But I think that there... Yeah, there is real potential for them to have stumbled upon a group of people who have been living in the jungle who did not care whether or not those women survived, who were just interested maybe in the stuff that was in their bag to mess mm-hmm. around with it and like whatever. Or even just one person or two people. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be like a huge group, right? Like it could just be one you, weird yeah, you dude. literally like... don't know what's out there. Yeah. And and it just because like how their bones were found and stuff. So like maybe that one person had both bodies and was just like, I'm done with this and got rid of them at the same time. I just think that it's very possible that like... You ran into something you weren't expecting in the human capacity. Mm-hmm. I just can't get over of that one that one picture of the girl's head. Yeah, I like, can't what get is over that? that. Like, why is there one random picture? Because of I can head? tell you right now, even if I, even if we were out on this dangerous hike together, something had happened, like whatever, and you had died, I would not be taking a picture of your body, bro. <laughs> like wouldn't do it well That's i honestly scarring. might i honestly might like if i, I was think, like this is where i, I left her like, i would this take is a where... picture of the location yeah but i would wait until it was a daytime b i wouldn't do a close-up of your scalp yeah and that, that's like, not helpful like the yeah. image is just hair it's yeah. so weird and I was thinking to myself, like, maybe somehow, because I had one time I dropped my camera or I dropped my phone in a lake. And I was there. You were there. <laughs> and I, like, jumped down into the bottom, like, I swam to the bottom of the lake to get it. And I could see it at the bottom of the lake because the light was on. And somehow, I don't know why or how, but my phone was snapping pictures under the water on its own. So, like, I when I got my phone and I brought it back up to land, like, it had all these random underwater pictures that it had just taken on its own. And I was thinking, like, could something like that have happened with this camera where it just, I don't know, was just, like, in a weird spot and something was just taking a whole bunch of pictures? But it doesn't make sense that all these pictures are different angles, different places, it's up the back of a head and, like... I know because when you said that, like initially I thought, okay, so you're out in the jungle and you're failing, you're dying, whatever. You're not protecting your shit from wild animals. So I was thinking maybe something got a hold of the camera. Maybe like there's monkeys, there's sloths, there's birds, there's cats, like big cats in those jungles. (laughs) Maybe something got the camera and is just flinging it around and it's taking pictures because it's a camera and it's an animal and they don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't even make sense because it said that there's deliberate shots on there. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, like, there's actually stuff in focus. I'm telling you right now. You should now, Google uh, them. Have you? Did uh, you Google no, them? No, I haven't looked at any of them. But I'm telling you right now, a panther is definitely not zooming in on a cable bridge to take a fancy shot. Like, yeah. it's not happening. So, no. like, that part of it, it destroys the animal theory. So, again, I kind of land on that. Maybe it was, A, someone who, you know, turns on a camera and doesn't know how to use it at first. And it's just clicking and taking random. And then you start to understand how the camera works and you start taking pictures of your surroundings, that makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. But not just, like, 
the girls just randomly. If you know how to use a camera, you're not turning it on and taking those garbage pictures and then being like, oh, a cable bridge. Like, it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. So. And if it was one of the girls taking a picture, then why didn't they use it to take more helpful pictures? Or a selfie shot to be like, hey, it's me. I'm alive. Because that's what I would do. Like, hey, this is me. And then I'm taking these pictures. Yeah. And I don't know if this camera could take videos on it, but your phone can take videos. In 2014, I think at that point, digital SLRs could take video for sure. Yeah. So, like, why don't we have, yeah, just some explanation. Just something. Yeah. Super weird. Super weird. I think we could talk all day about what we think happened, but... My theory is my theory is jungle person, jungle person who does not understand technology. I can't even like. That's a good theory. I can't even like. Witches, gremlins, what was it? And like honestly, if it was a jungle person, and maybe initially was trying to help the girls, if you don't have the language of the people you're trying to help, it's not good. And then on top of that, if you have no concept of society and you're just trying to, like, get them to a populated area, if they then fell and had an accident or whatever and ended up dead, what does that person care? They're just like, didn't work out. Guess I'm not helping them. (laughs) Throw them in the river so they wash down to where someone can find them. Like, and then wash your hands of it. You're done. And back to your jungle life. Yeah. That that person doesn't care. Like, why the backpack was found completely fine and why nothing was stolen, right? If yeah, it was like, a jungle because person. none of those things have meaning to a person who's just surviving in the jungle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. who knows? I support my theory. <laughs> All right, any listeners out there, if you want to shoot us a theory, you can do it at thespookpod at gmail.com. We're going to leave it there for today and we hope to see you back next week. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of Spook Pod. New ones are out every Friday. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to chat? Email us at thespookpod at gmail.com or follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit at SpookPod. For a full list of episodes, more deets, or to see what's coming next, visit our website, spookpod.com. This has been a presentation of Mostly Awkward Media. See See you next week. week!